what a, as you're turning there, what an encouragement and a blessing it is to be able to be in the, in your service today. Uh, Brother Case did an outstanding job with that testimony and that presentation, and and I was thinking as uh, they did that that, you know, that's missions right there. That's what you want. Uh, that's that's the the that's going to make a that's going to warm a pastor's heart as he realizes here's somebody that our church has sacrificially been been giving to for all of these years for a decade now, and they're actually doing. Yeah what we had hoped and prayed that they would be able to do. And, of course, every missionary uh, every missionary has that, that prayer and, and that sincere desire to do what you're doing. But, as you know, not, not always is it, a, is it possible. It doesn't get done. But they are um, building churches, turning them over to nationals, and then helping those nationals then to go on and then training other nationals, cooperating with missionaries and home uh, churches back home, nationals, all of them working together. And that's that's a little bit of what our our ministry hopes to do uh, as well. And Barnabas 1040 is missionaries and churches and nationals all working together and being able to coordinate that. The difference is simply that that, um, we felt led to target a different part part of the world, but but still the the same objective. And that is to help with those uh, those nationals, and I would be interested uh, as well with the case in helping you with some of your men who Amen. need need support, Amen. and uh, as well, uh, we're ex- trying to expand our ministry now. We've we've uh, opened doors um, uh, beyond. We talk about that later, but beyond uh, beyond the ten forty window as well. In Luke chapter fifteen, I want to talk with you for a few minutes this morning on the subject: What's it like to be lost? What's it like to be lost? Um, in Luke chapter 15, Jesus told a story. Really, he, t- he told one story, but he used three illustrations to, tr- to teach one truth. Uh, there's three, maybe three stories we would say, three, three parables, but there's one truth. There's not three different, different uh, ideas here, different subjects in these, in these parables. Uh, he talked about what it's like to be lost. And, uh, you know, to be lost is a, is a very, very difficult, horrible thing. To be lost is a very frightening thing. I don't have the time to tell you, but I could give you some illustrations of times in, in, in our life whenever, uh, for example, even in, in China where all three of our girls, as they, when they were young, uh, were separated and were, were lost temporarily. <laughs> Unfortunately, we found all three of them, but, <clears throat> but uh, unfortunately, by the grace of God, but we were, we were pretty shook up whenever you know, you're walking along with millions of people and the same thing in Mexico City. And all of a sudden, you realize that the the nine year old is gone, you know, and where is she? And uh, you know, we've we've had that happen. And then also other situations through through our through our life where we've seen where people were lost, and I mean, they had no, we didn't know where they were, and it's a very frightening, difficult thing. But in this story, Jesus tells us about what it's like to be lost in a situation that that is much worse than physically lost, and that is to be spiritually lost. To be lost and on your way to hell, and there's no hope of you being found. <clears throat> imagine what it would be. I mean, you can imagine how horrible it would be uh, for for you to find yourself lost physically, and you have no idea where you are. You don't know how to get home. You're out in a woods somewhere, a forested area, and uh, you don't know how, you don't know how to find your way out. And you realize no one is looking for you. You're, you're out there by yourself. No one's coming to find you. But imagine what it would be like to be on your way to hell. You're lost. You have no hope. And there's no one searching for you. A few years ago, I read a statement that literally was life-changing for me. And this is the statement. 
There's only one thing worse than being lost, and that's to be lost and having no one searching for you. To be lost. Literally, in our world today, there are millions and millions of people who are lost, and no one's looking for them. They live in villages. They live in little... By the way, we, we baptized... some One of our people baptized 27, 27 people in a, in a village uh, above Quang Tri in, in Vietnam yesterday. Amen. Sent me a picture of it. What a blessing. But there are people who live in these villages where, where no one's coming. They will be born. They will live their entire life. They will die. They will go to hell. And, uh, and nobody is going to ever come to that village to talk to anybody about Jesus. Imagine what it would be like. You're born, you live your entire life, you die and go to hell. You've never one time heard that there was a way to go to heaven. The only thing worse than being lost is to be lost with no one looking for you. What's it like to be in that situation? Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells us what it's like to be lost. In Luke 15, notice verse 1 says, Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. The Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. Jesus, of course, reaching out to the to the uh, to the least uh, to the po- people who were who were rejected by polite society, as it were, and the publicans and the sinners, the uh, the homosexuals, the adulterers, the fornicators, the thieves. Uh, the publicans were the were the the, the, the turncoats, the the uh, uh, the ones who had had who were Jewish people who went to work for the enemy the Roman government. And, they, and not only did they work for the enemy, the Roman government, these Jewish people called publicans, they, they not only worked for them, they collected taxes for them. So what, so what that means is they would come to their Jewish brethren and get the money, and they would take more than they actually owed, and then they were able to keep a part of what they, keep what they, what, what, whatever they could extract from them. And these people were hated, despised, the publicans. And so here's the publicans, Here's the here's the the prostitutes, here's the uh, here's the, the the gay people, here's the people that that uh, were were just Samaritans, half breed Jews, people that were looked down on, people that that were were the were the dregs of society, and Jesus is eating with them, he's communicating, he's fellowshipping with them, as it were, he's he's spending time with them. And so the Pharisees, the religious people, looked down on Jesus and said, what, what, why would you possibly be around them? And Jesus told them this parable, which explains why he did. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. Why would he do that? Because it's horrible to be lost. What's it like? Verse 1, Jesus said, Which man of you having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine and go into the wilderness to seek <clears throat> that that one lost lamb, and when he found finds it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. He comes home. He calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, "Rejoice with me! I found my sheep which was lost." I say unto you that likewise shall joy be in the heaven over one sinner that repents, more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Why am I going? Uh, why am I? Why am I going? Associating with these people that you despise, he says to the religion. Here's why I'm associating with them. Because they're lost. And to be lost is like, to be spiritually lost is like a lamb that is lost to the safety of the fold. So in the story, Jesus talks about a shepherd that has a hundred sheep and he gets 99 of them safely under the fold. And then he realizes one, lot, one little lamb is still out there that night. And so he leaves those 90 and 9 and he goes out to search for that one lamb. Why? 
I mean, why? Look, he doesn't have a flashlight, right? This is 2,000 years ago. Best At best, he's got a lantern, an oil lantern. He has no flashlight. He has no, he has no one to go with him out to, 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 to look for that one lamb. Why doesn't he just wait until tomorrow? Here's why. He doesn't wait until the next day because he knows that if he doesn't find that lamb tonight, that lamb will be dead tomorrow. It's that simple. That lamb has no hope. There's no chance that lamb is going to survive out in the wilderness through that night. The wolves, the elements, that lamb will die that night. And and Jesus said, so this shepherd said, I don't care what it costs me, I've got to go back out and look for that lamb. Why? He has no hope. You understand that if a person is without Christ, they have no hope. No hope. We like to think that, you know, well, God is, uh, is loving and God is kind and gracious, and He is, all of those things. And that somehow, that, you know, if, if you're a Buddhist or you're a Muslim or you're, or, you're, or you're an agnostic, as long as you're sincere and you're kind and you do the best that you can, somehow God's going to let you into heaven. Let me say this to you, friend. There's no chance of that. No hope. Here's what the Apostle Paul said when he talked about being lost. Listen to these, these words. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 12. Paul is talking to people about what it was like before they were saved. Here's what he says to them. At that time, at the time that you were without Christ, at that time you were without Christ, would you listen carefully? Ephesians 2.12, having no hope. Having no hope without God in the world. Literally, a person without Christ is one heartbeat away from eternity in hell. You say, what if they're sincere? One heartbeat away from hell. No hope without God. No hope. What if they really try the best that they can? And what if they've never heard having no hope and without without God? They have no hope. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Listen, if you could get to heaven by good works or sincerity or following your religion and doing good to other people, why in the world would we send missionaries out? The worst thing you could possibly do is go back to Mexico City if you could get to heaven by being a good Catholic or a good Baptist or a good Lutheran or a good Buddhist or a good Muslim or a good Hindu. Why in the world, if, if all you needed was sincerity in your religion and, and doing the best you can to go to heaven, leave them alone. Don't be taking the gospel to them. The reason we take the gospel to people is because they're lost sheep without hope. There is no chance. I'm not trying to be unkind. But I'm saying to you today, my friend, by the authority of the Word of God, that if you die here in, here in, in, in Morgan Hill without Christ, you're just as lost as if you died from Bangladesh without Christ. There is no hope. There is one way to heaven. You see, that seems very, very uh, exclusive and very, very wrong. No, 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 no. That's very inclusive. All men were sinners. All men, all of us are sinners. All of us are on our way to hell. Somebody asked me once, where did the heathen go? I said, they go to Walmart around here. <laughs> they go to other places over there. But I'm telling you, the heathen around here go to Walmart. They go to Target. I was there yesterday. I know. I was, I was one of them. I'm, where did the heathen go? Hey, we're all heathen. We're all without God. We're all without Christ. We're born sinners. We, we sin by nature. We sin by choice. We're born sinners. All of us need to be saved. And my friend, you need Christ as much as anybody does. And they need Christ as much as you did and as I did. We need Jesus. What would you be willing to give 
to try to help people get the gospel around the world. 86% it's estimated. 86% of Buddhists, Muslims, Hindus have never met a Christian. We're talking about over 2 billion people. The vast majority of no one is looking for them. They live in the 1040 window for the most part, but they live all over the world. But the vast majority of those 2 billion people in the 1040 window, nobody's looking for them. There are entire areas where, where literally no one is going to come to their village. How can we not give our lives to go out into the wilderness? Why do we stay, why do we stay here at home cursing the darkness, but we refuse to shine the light over there? What would you be willing to give? My wife and I six years ago came to the conclusion that we were tired of cursing the darkness and talking about how tragic it is that there are people all over Asia that have never heard the gospel. And we said, look, let's put up or shut up. I mean, let's stop talking about it. Let's do something about it. We resigned our church and moved, moved to China and started this ministry. Now we support 110 national pastors. And I said 27 baptisms yesterday in, in, in Vietnam uh, in one church out in the villages, out in the wilderness, and in tribal people. Uh, what, what would you be willing to do? Would you be willing to give? Would you be willing to go? Would you be willing to fill out that commitment card in a few moments when we finish the service today? Would you, what would you be willing to do? Would you pray? Would you give? Would you go? Why? Because people are lost. What's it like to be lost? It's like being out in the wilderness and you have no hope of survival. No hope. Number two. Jesus said not only is it like a lamb that is separated from the safety of the fold, but notice it's like a lost coin. Picking it up in verse 8, either what woman having ten pieces of silver, she loses one piece, does not light a candle, and sweep the house and seek diligence until she found it. And until she finds it, when she's found it, she calls her friends together and they're rejoicing together. And he said again in verse 10, likewise, what I'm trying to tell you is we're talking about sinners repentance, repenting. And how that there's great joy in the presence of God when somebody repents of their sins. We're giving you illustrations, Jesus said, like, like that, that, that lamb was lost to the safety of the fold. Now here's a, here's a woman who's lost a coin. And that coin was lost for the purpose for which it was created. Now this is not just an ordinary coin. It's not that she lost a dollar bill. I'm sorry, a, 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 a silver dollar or a quarter or a nickel or a penny. Now this is, this is a very important coin. This coin that she lost Scholars say was a part of the bridal uh, headdress that she would wear. So here's a, here's a young lady who's about to get married. And she's got her, 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 her bridal attire all together. And all of a sudden, that crown part of that, that, that most important part of it right there that, that people could see as she comes down the aisle. There's a coin missing right there. There should be ten of them there, but there's only nine. One of them is missing. It's going to be obvious to people that that coin was lost. Now a coin, that coin... Its only value was in being inside that bridal headdress. That coin laying by itself was of no, no great value. But when you take that coin and you put it where it, was, where it was created to be, now it's of great value. Do you understand, do you realize with me this morning, every person on our planet, every person on the over 7 billion of us, we were created to glorify God. You are not an accident, my friend. You were created by and for Jesus. This coin was created for a, pur- pur- a purpose, to be a part of that bridal headdress. Now, every person on our planet was created to glorify our God. Christians, believers, we are the bride of Christ. And Jesus wants His 
bride to be made up of people from all over the world, all nations, not just people from America or people from Mexico or people from China. He wants them from all world. Would you open your Bible to Revelation chapter 7 with me very quickly this morning? Look at Revelation chapter 7. Uh, this Revelation chapter 7 is a picture of what it's going to be like when finally the bride of Christ is together in heaven and we're presented to our Lord Jesus Christ. Revelation chapter 7. I want you to notice where these people are coming from. Great multitude. Verse 9. After this I beheld and know a great multitude which no man could number of all nations. No, notice it's all nations. This multitude of people in heaven. Where are they coming from? Man, they're coming from the entire world. The entire planet. Uh, that's God's plan. All nations, all kindreds, that they're kindreds, it means tribes, all the tribal people, all of the different kindreds, all of the different people, all the different tongues or languages stood before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, palms in their hands, and they all have the same song. They're crying with a loud voice saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne under the Lamb. They are rejoicing because they've been saved the same way. Through the blood of Jesus Christ. My friend, the animist that worships the spirits and rocks and the trees. That, that man was created to worship our God. The Hindu that worships millions and millions of God. The Muslims that believe there's only one way to go to heaven. And that is to do enough good works to appease his false God. The Buddhist who hopes to be reincarnated over and over again until finally reaching nirvana and no existence. The communist, the atheist, the infidel who worships money. They were all created to glorify our God and to worship and and glorify the the one true God, the Lord Jesus. Perhaps one of the worst... It's terrible that people die and go to hell. From our perspective and from, from the person's perspective. But... Just as horrible, in my mind, is that there are people walking the planet today that are not doing what they were created to do. They are worshiping idols when the one true God created them to worship Him. He is not receiving the glory he received, that He deserves as they're worshiping the rocks and the sticks and the stones, as they're worshiping in false, in false religions. My friend, God did not save you just to live selfishly, concerned only about yourself, your family, your finances, your comfort. Think about it for a moment. Why did God allow you to be born where you were, to live where you do, to have the opportunities that you have, the freedoms that you have, the freedoms to enjoy that we have to worship God together? Why did God allow us to be in this great country where we can easily find a church, where we can easily be led to the gospel some way if people are simply willing to talk to us about Jesus? Why did God allow us to be here? Through our ministry, we support people in some of the poorest countries on earth, people who love God. People are willing to sacrifice everything, their very life for Christ. Most of the people that we support, now think about this. I don't want to exaggerate. I don't want to overstate this. I want to say most of the people. I'm going to say many of the people. And I think it's most. Most of the men we support have been, have been persecuted for following Jesus in some respect. Virtually all of them have been. Some of them have been in prison. Many of them have. Men, women as well. All of them have suffered some kind of persecution. 
Virtually all of them have been, have been disowned from their families for leaving the false religion and becoming a follower of Jesus. You see that in Mexico, I'm sure, as well. And the real issue is when they get baptized, isn't it, Brother Casey? Yeah, it's one thing to follow. It's one thing to say, I believe in Jesus. Your parents will put up with that. But when you get baptized, you're in trouble. Now you've, disowned, now you've dishonored the family. We support a man over in communist Laos. We, we support several. We support probably, probably 12, 15 guys in, in, in communist Laos. One of the men that I, I love to be around is, is a man by the name of Dow. And Brother Dow is a great guy. When I was talking to Dow about, about uh, first, first taking him on for support and kind of finding out about him, I said, give me a testimony. Tell me about your life. And he said, when did you get saved? He told me about when he was saved. And when he was 16 years old, he was in, in a village church with his pastor there, and he was kind of worked with his pastor. And, and he, you'll, you'll forgive him for this. They didn't have a piano or an organ, but he played the guitar. And uh, so, so it's okay. He didn't have a rock band with it. He just had a guitar. It wasn't even an electric guitar. He has a guitar. He still has a guitar, by the way. And uh, 16 years old, he's playing the guitar in this, in, in this uh, village church, and the police raided them. So they arrested the pastor, and they arrested Dow, 16 years old. They took Dow into jail as well just because he was playing the guitar. He was, he was participating. He wasn't just there listening. So they put him in jail, and they were there for a couple of weeks there in the, in the little uh, local uh, jail there. And, uh, and then Dow was telling me that afterwards, after those two weeks, they came to them and said, okay, you guys can leave now. And the pastor looked at the, the jailer and said, you know, we don't feel like God's finished with us here. We're, uh, you know, we're, we're seeing people saved, and we feel like God's, God put us here, has us here for a purpose, so we're going to stay. We've talked about it, and he said, Pastor, to talk to me about it. I said, Dow, are you willing to stay with me? He said, I'll stay with you, Pastor. So they stayed. And the jailers didn't know what to do. So they, 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 you know, nobody's ever said, I think I'll just stay before. And so they, 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 uh, they you know, the jailers, he said, talk, then talked, they, they, were in the, they were in the local, they talked to the provincial, the province. So they're, they're, that's a, that's a big, big wigs. So he goes to the big wigs and says, hey, they, they won't leave. And they said, we, we'll take them and we'll make, make sure they leave. And so they put them in the big jail. And then they kept them there for about a couple of weeks and then they, uh, they came to him and said, okay, now you guys can go. And, and, uh, and he said, the pastor looked at him and uh, talked to Dow. And he said, well, Dow, I feel like, I feel like we can go. God's, we're finished with what God's called us here to do here. We've seen a lot of people saved. And, and, and you know, we need to go back to our families now. And so they left. And then Dow said this to me. <laughs> he said, pastor, he said, do you know what they called us in the big jail? And I said, no. What did they call you? He said, the other prisoners called us. The singing prisoners. I looked at him and I said, Dow, have you ever read Acts chapter yeah. 16? <laughs> have you ever, you know what they called the Apostle Paul? <laughs> you know what Paul was doing in Silas in jail? They were singing in the prison and the prison, other prisoners could hear them singing. I said, man, you're in good company. Yeah. Now Dow has, uh, Dow is married and has uh, two boys of his own. I'm telling you, we're helping him build a building right now. He's got, he's got, he is probably the best national, I don't, I shouldn't say that. We've got all kinds of good national pastors. He's probably seen the best results of any national pastor we have in that particular country, that communist country right now. God has used him in a great way. They just understand. They, 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 they look, they don't want to be persecuted. Uh, they, but they understand. It's part of following Jesus. Jesus never promised we weren't going to have problems, did he? He told us in the world, you shall have tribulation. Be of good comfort. I've overcome the world. You're going to have problems. 
And their problems are just a little more severe than ours. Last time I saw Dow, you know what he was doing? I couldn't help but think about it. I was waiting to preach. We brought all, we brought several of those churches together. The place was packed. And I'm sitting over here in the front row. Dow was over here. And he's playing the guitar. <laughs> I thought, I told him later, I said, now, you haven't learned a thing, have you? I said, you're playing the guitar, man. You're liable to get arrested again tonight, you know. And uh, uh, they just understand that's part of following Jesus. What's our part? Could you give a little extra money? Could you pray? We're not going to get arrested for being in here tonight or this morning yet. It may, that day may come, but it's not here yet. Otherwise, it, it's already come in Canada, hasn't it? Yeah, exactly. It's already come in Canada. But while we have this freedom and while we have these opportunities, let's let's bear the burden of our brothers and sisters. Let's help. There there are people that are willing to go. And by the way, the guys that I support, they're going whether with or without money. We, the, we don't support anybody that, that we say, hey, we'll, we'll give you $200 a month if you go start a church. And these guys have already started churches. But we're saying we'll give you a couple hundred dollars a month to get you out of the fields and out of, the, out of your secular jet work so you, so, you can, so you can go full-time in the ministry and reach even more people. Last time I was in Laos, I, I, talked with, I gathered all the guys together that we, we, we support and, uh, and asked them through a translator. Some of them speak English. Most of them don't. Dow speaks uh, speaks English, but but we, we I talked with them and, and said, now, what, is there anything that I can do to help you? Do you need do you need materials? Do you, do you need more money, uh, more finances? And you know what those guys told me, including Dow. They said, you know, Pastor, obviously we all, we can always use more money, but the reality is, the truth is that we need to have a secular job because if we have too much money, then that draws attention from the police. So we, we, we we're fine. We're fine. $50 a month, $100 a month, we're fine. Um, because, you know, we use more money, but we need to have a job. Because if we don't have a job, the police come knocking on our door. And if they find out the money's coming from America, we're in real, we're in real trouble. So what would you be willing to do? We can, still, we, can still get, we can get finances to people like that. We can get them out into the, in, into the villages. We can get them out into the, into the cities. We can get them out preaching the gospel, doing it covertly. We can get them. We can get them in Mexico, we can, we can, we can, all over the world. But we need the finances and the prayers of God's people here in the States. What would you be willing to do? One last one. What's it like to be lost? It's like a lamb with no hope, separated from the safety of the fold. It's like a, a coin that will never fulfill the purpose for which they were created. And, and some of those people, I, I've got to stop, but, but I'm telling you, I just, I, I'm, 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 I'm coming here to, you, to talk to you today on behalf of two out of three people on the planet. I'm, I'm, just, I'm, 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 I'm representing two-thirds of the world's population. I'm telling you there are people out there, they're wonderful people. They, they will glorify our Lord. There's a, there's, a, there's a guy in Cambodia I'm thinking of right now who was a witch doctor, demon-possessed. Demon-possessed witch doctor. And the last time I saw him, he's got a gracious love of Jesus look on his face, and he's playing an instrument in, 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 instrument in worshiping the Lord through David Board. I don't know if you know David Board or not in his church there. 
I mean, there, there are people like that all over the world. And many of them are waiting to be reached. That man was not created to be a demon-possessed witch doctor. He was created to, to play that, that musical instrument. I'm not telling you what it is because I don't know what it was. It was some kind of a horn or something, wasn't it, babe? Some kind of a... I'm not a musician. <laughs> but but it, was, it was not a rock band, okay? It wasn't a guitar, so he's not as bad as Dow. He was playing them in the orchestra. Beautiful worship to the Lord. That's what they were created for. Let's help them. It's like... One more thing, and that's the wor- this is the worst of all. I'm not going to, for the sake of time, I'm not going to, you know the story. I'll, 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 just, I'll just tell it to you. It's like a son that is lost to the fellowship of his father. Prodigal son. Jesus went on to say, i got one more story for you to tell you what it's like to be lost. Why am I associating with all of these people, you ask? Because they're lost to the fellowship of their father. There was a man that had two sons. Jesus said. The oldest son stayed home, did his work. The youngest son was rebellious and said to the father, give me my money, give me my inheritance. I don't want to stay home anymore. And that younger son took the money and left, spent everything. And when he had spent everything, all of his friends forsook him. As long as he had, as long as he had money, as long as he was partying, as long as he could buy the booze, as long as he could host the party, man, all kinds of people coming. But once the money was gone, that boy found himself totally forsaken by everybody in this far country. Some people believe he was in Egypt. We don't know for sure. But all of his friends were gone. This boy was left with nothing, desolate. The only job he could find was feeding pigs. Horrible job for a Jewish young man. And this young man is feeding pigs in the, in the trough there. And he's looking around at the pig, at the, at, at the pig pen. He is so hungry. He is, his, his, his stomach is, is growling. He is so hungry that he's looking at the slop that he's feeding to the pigs and he's thinking, I would be willing to eat that slop. And then all of a sudden, that young man took the most important journey anybody ever takes in his life. I didn't take this journey until I was 20 years old. Maybe there's somebody here today, you haven't even taken this journey yet. It's the most important place you're ever going to go in your life. It's found in verse 17. In Luke chapter 15 and verse 17, the Bible says, when he came to himself. You see, you have to come to yourself before you can come to the Father. The most important place you're ever going to go is to the Father, but we don't go to the Father until we come to ourselves. This young man had to come to himself and realize that he was in a mess. He was a wretched, wicked, rebellious son. He was lost without hope. He was, gonna, he had, he was not doing what he was, what he was created to do. He was, he, he, there was no way to get out of this mess he was in. And that's where I came to when I was 20 years old. When I was 20 years old, I finally realized, man, I am lost. I'm on my way to hell. I cannot forgive my own sins. I cannot save myself. I, I always felt like I was lucky. I'd heard, of, I was born in America, so I'd, I'd heard about Jesus. We didn't go to church, but I'd heard about Jesus. I knew people talked about being saved. I knew there was a, that, that people talked about a heaven and a hell. I wasn't sure that there was either one of them. But here's what I thought. I'm lucky. I'm lucky. I spent two tours in Vietnam with 75th Rangers. I'm not talking about 
back in the, I'm talking about out in the field. Six-man LERP teams. I'm sorry, six, this is six in Chinese. Uh, six-man LERP teams. <laughs> Long-range concert. Six, six guys on the team. Drop us off somewhere. Come back in a few days and pick us up if we're still alive and find out, find out what's out there. I walked point. And, and I never got shot. Others did. I didn't. I never stepped on a mine. Others did. I didn't. I would I, I, I've situations where I would walk by and all of a sudden I hear the explosion behind me and the guy behind me hit the mine. And I always felt like, you know what, I'm lucky. I'm not going to get it. If there is a heaven, if there is a hell, I'm not, I'm not going to go to hell. I, I'm going to make it. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I, I'll luck out. Finally, at the age of 20, I realized, you know what? You're not lucky. By the grace of God, you haven't died and gone to hell yet. But if you die, you're going to hell. You're, you're lost. If there is a God in heaven, if this book is true, I'm lost. And I came to myself and realized I need to stop. I need to stop lying to myself. I need help. I can't fix my own life. When he came to himself, here's what he said. I'm going to get up and I'm going to go to my father. Verse 20 says he arose and came to his father. The father in this story is a picture of God. And when that boy came to his father, his father received him. That dad was out there watching the road, looking down the road for all this time. How long was he gone? I don't know how long he was gone. Gone a long time, though. And and, and finally, this dad looks down, and here's this guy walking up the road. He doesn't even have any shoes on. I mean, he's got no shoes. His, His clothes are rags. He's been with the pigs. He smells like the pig's pig pen. His hair is long and unkempt. He's, a, he's just, he's a mess. He's a homeless guy walking up the road, no shoes on. And the father looks out and realizes, that's my son. And he runs to greet him. And the boy starts to say, look, dad, I'm not, I'm not willing to be your, I'm not, I'm not worthy to be your father's son anymore. Just, no, 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 son, you're my son. You come back. And he, he put his, his arms and he hugged this foul-smelling, filthy boy. Dirt everywhere, slop from the pig pen. He hugged him, embraced him, he kissed him. And he brought him back home and said to the servants, Get a robe. My boy needs some decent clothes. Get him some shoes. We're going to have a party. My son's come back. That's how much God loves you. I have to tell you, no matter how deep in the sin you've been, no matter how, how the depths of, 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 of degradation that you've, 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 you've been in, God says, I love you. I'll take you. I'll clean you up. I'll, I'll get you some new clothes. I'll give you a robe of righteousness. I'm going to get you some new shoes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a ring on your finger. I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to have a party because you're, you're here. And God feels that way about all those other people as well. What's it like to be lost? Jesus is the good shepherd who left the 99 and came down to the wilderness to die for our sins. The Father is God, a picture of God. But now let me go back to that last one. I, I really am going to stop now. That middle one, the church. The church is that woman who was out there searching and searching and searching. There are billions of people today that are lost. Uh, many of them live right here in Morgan Hill. 
Many of them live in this area. And they're just as lost as that person in communist China. They're just as lost. They need Jesus. Yesterday, we came, we, we came for, the, for, the, uh, for the outreach time. And I'm telling you, I absolutely loved it. I was so excited. I was like I was going to a party. I told my wife on Saturday morning, I said, man, this is great. We get to go out. I miss that so much. That was just a daily part of my life, not a, a weekly part of my life when I pastored for 40 years. I mean, it was just week, every week, every week we were out doing something on visitation, knocking on doors, or maybe tracking some doors every week. Without fail, we were doing something like that. And I miss that so much. And so we showed up and we did this. And, it, and, and you know, 50 of these cards, these little, the little cards, you put, we, we simply try, put them on a door. So easy. And yet this little invitation, making fall count for something, you're invited. I was thinking about it after we left, after we got back to, 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 to our hotel uh, last night. I was thinking, you know, if, if you were to put out one or 2,000 of these every, every week, just put them on somebody's door. I guarantee you there will be people visiting this church every Sunday. Somebody will come from this. If 10 families in your church said our family is going to do 200 of these a week, just 200 a week, it, it, it would take, I, I don't think it would take an hour. I'd take 30 minutes maybe. If, if 10 families in this church did 200 of these a week, we're talking about 2,000 of these every week, invitations that's going on somebody's door. I guarantee you, every Sunday, you're going to look out here and somebody's going to say, yeah, I got this little card on my door. He says, I don't think it'd work here. Hey, you're probably right. It probably wouldn't work here. Nah, they probably wouldn't come. Uh, but, you know, I started the Redwood Baptist Church in Redwood City, California. I, last time I checked, that was in the Bay Area. Just as liberal as this area, maybe more in the San Francisco area. It worked there. It worked there. And then we went across, and then we went to Hong Kong and started that singing jumps on Gaoi in Hong Kong. You know what? It worked there. It worked there. And then we came back to our Bay Area Baptist Church in Fremont. It worked there. Probably wouldn't work here, but it works there. By the way, it works in Southern California too. Yeah. Every week, somebody would show up and say, I got, a, got this on my door, got a track on my door, something left on my door. I was preaching in, I was preaching in, uh, watch. That's good, that's good. Watch this. That's even better. <laughs> I was preaching in, in um, Lacey, Washington. Mike Kinney. Pastor Mike Kinney. Guy comes up to me after the service and he says, you don't know me, but I got saved at Bay Area Baptist Church. I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, I got saved there right after you left. I got saved. I said, uh, how did you happen to come? He, how did you happen to come to church? He said, somebody left a little little invitation on my door. And he said, turned out, he said that I, I, I was a postman. I delivered mail. He said, and, and I knew exactly where you were because I delivered your mail. I delivered the mail to your church. And he said, I got this lane on my, uh, stuck on my door, and I thought, huh, God must be trying to tell me something. 
because somebody from that church that I go to every week and drop off their mail, and I've never talked to anybody there, I just drop off the mail and then and drive on by. But some, but this showed up at my door, and he said I got saved there. Now he's serving the Lord in Lacey, Washington. I'm, folks, I meet people like that all the time. They got saved in Redwood Baptist. How come they had to get saved after I left? I don't know. <laughs> they got saved in, at, Redwood, at Redwood Baptist Church. They got saved at Bay Area Baptist Church. They got saved at Liberty. They, 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 everywhere. I guarantee you, if you do that. In fact, I think probably next time I come, you'd be having double services. Because you just couldn't fill up the crew. You couldn't house the people anymore. God is not finished with this church. God's just getting started. And, and, and you, you, you've got great days ahead of you. But we've got to get serious about the gospel at home and abroad. Why? Because people are lost, and it's horrible to be lost. So let's bow our heads together for prayer, if we could, please. Two questions. Number one, would you ask God this morning what he would have you to do in your missions program here at your church? Number two, Second question is this, are you, are you one of those people that are lost? Are you one of those people that are lost? And maybe God brought you here today because he wants you to be saved. He wants, he wants you to have the fellowship with him that he created you to have. He doesn't want you to be in a precarious position where you're on your way to hell. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. I'm just going to ask very quickly, and, and, and I'm going to turn this over to Pastor right after this, but, but is there anybody here today that would be willing to say, Brother Dwight, I'm not sure that if I died I'd go to heaven. Maybe you're a church member, maybe you're not a church member, maybe this is your first time here, maybe you come every week. I'm not asking you about that. I'm asking about do you know for sure that if you died you'd go to heaven? Is there a doubt in your heart and in your mind? If you're here this morning, you say, Brother Dwight, I'm not sure that if I died, I'd go to heaven. Pray for me. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to walk over and tap you on the shoulder. We're not going to draw attention to you. If you're here this morning, you say, Dwight, I'm not sure that if I died, I'd go to heaven. Would you pray for me? Would you please, would you just slip your hand up and then write back down very quickly? Anybody at all? I'm not sure that if I died, I'd go to heaven, but I'd like to be sure. Pray for me. God bless you, sweetheart. You may lower your hand. Anybody else today? Young lady, young lady. Anybody else? I'm not sure that if I died, I'd go to heaven. Pray for me. Question number two is this. How many people today would say, Brother Dwight, I'm saved, but God has spoken to my heart, and, and I'm going to begin giving the missions. I'm going to begin maybe taking some of those, those uh, flyers as you, as, you, as you encouraged us to do. I'm going to begin doing what I can, asking God to help me to propagate the gospel at home and around the world through my giving, through my going, through my praying. God has spoken to me. I don't want people to be lost. I want to help to get the gospel to them. Would you slip your hand up and write back down all over the auditorium. God bless you. Father, you see our hands. Far more important, you see our hearts. Have your way in our lives. For Jesus' sake, Pastor.